Welcome to Healing with Worth, a podcast dedicated to healthy recovery and instilling hope in the wake of betrayal trauma. We are women who have experienced this intimately and want to offer hope to other women. While we may interview professionals on the show, the content should not be taken as therapeutic advice and is not meant to replace therapeutic healing. If you would like to join one of our free online worth groups to help with your betrayal trauma, you may find us at healingwithworth.org. Welcome back to Healing with Worth. I'm Naomi. And I'm Janine. And Sherilyn is off for today, but she'll be with us for our next episode. Today we have with us Alana Gordon, who's the new director of the Worth program and works under the direction of Maurice Harker, who's the founder of Life Changing Services. As we mentioned in a previous episode, WORTH stands for Women of Rebirth Therapeutic Healing, and it is a wonderful program set up to help women who are experiencing betrayal trauma because of their husband's pornography use and sexual misbehaviors. So today, Alana is going to share with us some of her tips for surviving and thriving during the holidays. But before we get to her wonderful tips, we wanted to really encourage you to visit healingwithworth.org and consider donating to the Worth program. Currently, we have a wait list for women seeking help, so your donation will help support women getting into a group that is led by a trained betrayal trauma therapist. So Alana recently shared her tips with us in another group that Worth runs, and we thought they were so helpful and really thought that they would be great for our listeners to hear as the holidays can really add a additional layer of stress for the betrayed to maneuver through. So welcome, Alana. Hi, thank you for having me today. Before we get to your tips, um, is there anything in particular that you would like to share with our listeners before you begin? Mm, Yes. Um, I think the biggest thing is if you're listening to this podcast and you're going through betrayal of your loved one, um, I just want to let you know that you are in the right place. I've been listening to the work these ladies are doing and I am touched and empowered by the messages that they shared. And I'm sorry for what has brought you here today but I will tell you, you're in the right place. And the tools that they're giving you are tools that will bring you healing. And I wish you didn't have to walk this hard, difficult road, but um, I'm glad. I'm glad you can be here. I'm glad I get to be here today. I am so excited to share these tips with you. And as I worked on these, I, the biggest thing that I kept thinking is I need to do this myself. Going into the holiday seasons are stressful without the trauma, but when you add in betrayal trauma on top of everything else that is happening, you can feel like you are absolutely in survival mode going through the holidays. So ideally, if um, you can implement some of these tips, then you can not just survive, but find a way to thrive during the holidays. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And we are excited that you're willing to share these tips with us today. So the first tip that you recommend um, is to understand where you are today and let that be okay. So what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I think we tend as women to see where we want to be And then we get frustrated with ourselves or we really push ourselves to be further down the road than we are. And so I put this as a first step of where you are right now in this moment is okay. It might not be enjoyable. (laughs) It isn't enjoyable. It's, It's hard and it's difficult, but you are okay. You are here right now listening. You are trying to better yourself. You're trying to heal and having that self-compassion with yourself and letting that be okay in the moment of where you're at, which self-compassion can be one of the hardest things to do. And so just slowing down and realizing that where you are right now is you're in a place that you'll need to slow down. You'll need that extra compassion 
not running faster than we have the energy for. And that can be really difficult when we have these expectations of the holidays being a certain way. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah, we, you think about it and we have so many expectations, even if we had no trauma right now, naturally the holidays is we just come up with these expectations of how they look or how they should be. Mm-hmm. And we tend to, when trauma hits is we want to keep up of what we think it should be. And so we set these expectations of, I need to send the Christmas cards. I need to bake the cookies. I need to serve. I need to make sure that I'm reaching out to others. I need to make sure my kids have this amazing holiday. And, and the list goes on and on and on of all these things we should be doing. Yet when we're in the middle of trauma, sometimes when I went through it myself, my kids ate cold cereal for months. That is all that I was capable of, yet the holidays came around and all of a sudden I expected myself to be doing all of these things, to magically get this this abundance of energy out of nowhere because I thought this is how the holidays should look and, and what if they don't? What if my kids don't have the perfect holiday? And so all those expectations just added unnecessary weight and burden. Right. Which brings us to your tip number two, which is establish realistic goals and expectations with ourselves. So you had mentioned about Christmas cards. You know, is that something that maybe we can let go this year if it's traditionally something that we've, we've sent out? Maybe that can go. I guess that's for each woman to really um, evaluate in her own life and um, determine what's what is really important you had mentioned that happiness is letting each situation be what it is instead of what you think it should be so what would you like to share with our listeners about establishing realistic goals and expectations for the for the holidays well I think we have to begin with this idea of what are my expectations because if we don't even know what they are sometimes we're running so fast to try to catch them that we don't even know what we're running after. So I think that I would recommend just taking a minute and writing down all of the extra things that you typically do during the holidays and just make the massive list and then go through and go, okay, which things on here do I really um, expect myself to do? Which things do I think I should do? Like Brene Brown, she talks about the shoulds. And mm-hmm. she calls it shooting on yourself. <laughs> and she said, let's not do that. So anytime where you're going, I should do this, I should do that. That's kind of like that little red flag to you to really evaluate. Is this something that has to be done? When we did the class, there was a woman and she said, she said, okay, so every year I send out Christmas cards and, and I feel guilty. Like if I don't send them out, like what are people going to think? And I don't want to like live this lie and send out this picture and this letter and look how great we are. But at the same time, how do I not? And as we kind of talked back and forth, she basically said, I just, I think I need someone to give me permission that I don't have to do that this year. (laughs) And so I said, okay, um, you don't need my permission. And I will say this to anyone listening right now that you don't have to do it this year. And If you want to send them out next year, great. If you want to send them out even in February, if you're in a better place and send out Valentine's Day cards, great. But you have permission to let things go this year because your ultimate responsibility is to find healing in yourself. And as you find that healing, naturally you'll be able to give to others in the way that that you want to, but right now you're in a season where you don't have to do everything that you have those expectations that you should be doing. Yeah. Which goes back to point number one, understand where you are today and let that be okay. And I love that too, because it makes me think of like all of the expectations that I have of myself, like making these elaborate goodie treats, like plates with all these different kinds of goodies on it. And and feeling like all these people are bringing these treats to me, I have to give something back to them, you know? And I, for me, the first year that, that I was 
really in the throes of trauma, you know, that was one thing that I was like, well, I guess it's going to be one cookie this year, (laughs) the easiest thing that I can possibly make. And, and through that, and I didn't even deliver them by Christmas. I delivered them on New Year's. (laughs) It happened after Christmas, after the crazy and just being, I was okay with that. And, and I'm not really tied to a lot of those traditions anyways, because it was just fun things to do. But, um, but I know that a lot of people do have those kinds of expectations of themselves and and these manuals I think about these manuals that we have in our head that say this is what it should be and this is how you should do this and to be able to give yourself permission to throw the manual out and create a new manual for yourself or not a manual but a new tradition or a new routine or a new something that fits better into what you can handle than what you have previously before done. Well, and I like to think back to my own like past memories of holidays and the things that I really remember included celebrating Christ and connecting with other people. It wasn't that I was delivering cookies. It wasn't that I was sending out a ton of Christmas cards. It wasn't that my tree looked perfect that year. It was the memories of being with the people I loved and celebrating Christ. Like those are the things that I actually think back and cherish when I have memories of Christmas. Absolutely. I agree. And that, and that brings us to, you know, point number three, where you say, look, look to the true well of peace. And as your, as your third tip, do you want to expound on that? Yeah. So I I find it so ironic that in the time of year that we're celebrating the Prince of Peace, that's when we're working the hardest and running the hardest to find peace. And I think that that's one of the distractions that the adversary uses is he tries to keep us so busy and so running so hard to distract us from that peace that the Savior is just waiting and willing to give. And there's a few scriptures that I just absolutely love that kind of help me recenter and come back to that peace that the Savior gives. Um, the first one was in John 14, 26 and 27, and it says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto to you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And I think about with betrayal trauma, how often are we feeling be- afraid? How often are we feeling troubled? And the world can only give us so much comfort, but it can't give us peace this peace that comes through the savior and the, the one that sticks with me the most this time of year is our heavenly father. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Yet this time of year, how often are we still this time of year? This is the time that we're like running harder and harder and harder. And when holidays are over, you hear so many people go like, oh, okay, like now I can rest. Now I can breathe, right? But I don't think that that's, that's the way to peace. The way to peace through this holiday is turning to the Savior and letting him be that peace. And I'll just throw in there really fast that like when the church came out with their, um, oh, what it was it called now? Light the World. They came out with a Light the World and they had awesome things you could do every day. And this was, be, I want to say I, I was already through the trauma, like the worst of it, but I was still working through a lot of trauma, but I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do some of these. And so I put that up on my fridge and I was all like gung ho. And the truth was, is I did not have the energy to do it. And I would look at it and I would feel so guilty and I would go like, oh, I should be doing this. I should be. I should be out serving. I should be taking my kids and taking them all their clothes and donating them. And I should be taking water to the homeless. And there's and that should word, right? I know. <laughs> I know. And it was, it was so hard to let go and let go of all those expectations. And I finally just had to, to allow myself to just slow down and remember 
that while that, that, that program was beautiful and it was inspired, I was not in the place to do that. And all I had was to turn to Christ. I could take care of my family. I could take care of myself and I could anchor in Christ. And that, that is where the peace came. And that is lighting the world, you know, in your own family. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I know it's, it's one of those things that when you think of that should word, there's so much shame that comes with that. And I, I remember something that Vicki Tidwell Palmer talked about. And she said, instead of saying should, you know, I should do this or I should do that. You can say, I want to do this. You know, these are things that I want to do. And it kind of takes that shame back a little bit and allows you to say, you know, this is what I want to do, you know, and, and then maybe addressing, is this a reality? You know, is this something that I am able to fit into my day? You know, and if it's not, then it's okay. I want to do this, but it's not going to work for me today. I'm going to have to do this instead. And so really being compassionate with yourself about these things that, that you have these list of things that you want to do. And if you get to them, great. And if you don't, that's okay too. You know, you don't, don't feel like you should be doing anything because should brings the shame. Yeah. And it goes back to that point. Number one, again, understand where you are today and just let that be okay. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Now tip number four, we have be present in the moment. So what, what are your thoughts on that particular tip? So with trauma, it's so easy to be pulled between the pain of the past, the fear of the future and the unsurety of today. And so when you can slow down and allow yourself to be present in moments, then it helps you be present in your mind, your soul, and your body. And, and that's not easy to do. It's, it really is mindfulness is what we're talking about here. But I remember that I was probably a few months in to the journey, and I was just in a really dark, hurting place. And I don't even remember what was happening, but I was with my family And I felt happiness, like pure joy and happiness. And instantly in my head, I was like, I can't feel that. Like there are too many things going wrong in my life right now. I can't be happy. And I think that was the adversary. That was Satan trying to steal my happiness away. But I had to learn to let myself be present in the moment and good and bad. So when the triggers came, instead of just, pushing them down and powering through because how many times as women do we go like, I just got to be tough. I I just, I can, I can do this. I can handle like an hour of pain. And so we like power through yet we're miserable. And then we've just pushed that trigger down and it doesn't go away. And so we carry that pain even longer. And so I really learned that there is such healing that comes when you learn to be present in the moment. So One year, as we're decorating the Christmas tree, all of a sudden, these floods of thoughts and memories and pain starts welling up, and I could feel the trigger. And instead of just plowing through, uh, the first year, I did plow through, and I remember putting up the tree, and, and I was just, I was miserable. I just cried as I put up the tree. And the next year, it was still difficult, but... I left the tree and I went to the bathroom and I let myself feel, I let myself feel that pain. I let myself go there. And as I did that, I was honoring myself. I was honoring my emotions. And then I was able to recenter. I was able to recenter with myself and recenter with God. And as I sat there, I thought, what am I doing? Like, yeah, I want the tree up, but I'm so concerned with having this tree up and forcing myself to go through this pain. My kids want to be part of it, but it's how much are they going to enjoy it as they're setting up the tree and mom's crying. And I thought I am doing this all wrong. And so I allowed myself to feel until I got to this place where I'm like, okay, I am ready. And I went back out and I said, okay, guys, I am going to let you guys do the tree this year. Okay. Because I have done it all these years and you guys are getting so big. I'm going to let you guys do the tree. 
And I stepped back and then I just allowed myself to watch the joy of my kids getting to choose the ornaments. And they even got to touch like my nice ones. And, um, and I was just like, okay, I'm just going to let go. And I got to watch that joy in their eyes and that sparkle in their eyes. And you know what? The bottom half of my tree was so full and so gorgeous. <laughs> the top half, um, it, it was, it was kind of awful, but it was so beautiful in the, in its, in its, um, in the way it was done because it was, it was what my kids had to give. And so I, I look back at that memory, um, with gratitude that I was able to allow myself to be present in that moment. And I didn't force myself to just power through and I didn't force myself to just be happy or pretend like everything was okay. I, I sat with the pain when the pain came and I allowed myself to feel the joy when the joy came. Yeah. I love that. I think, I think back to, I, I did, I had a similar experience in where I just let the kids go and, and my kids aren't really that old, <laughs> but I was like, you know what, here's the tree, go for it. <laughs> And it was a mess, but, but at the same time, they enjoyed it. And I was able to sit back and, um, and I also, I also remember that year wanting to just take it down right away, just take it down, put it away, get it out of the way. Um, and, and letting just, and I, but I didn't, I let it sit there and sit there and sit there because I just didn't have the energy to do it. I just, it was just one of those things that I was like, you know what? It's just going to stay there until it's ready to come down until I'm ready to take it down. And so I think, I think that helped kind of make space for me to, to do what I needed to do and to continue to, to care for myself in the way that I needed to care. And my kids loved it. I mean, what kid doesn't like a tree still lit up after Christmas, right? (laughs) So I think it was after the new year that I finally ended up taking it down, but you know, that's okay. If that's, if that's what you can get to, then that's okay. Just give yourself grace to, to be able to do what you need to do and to allow yourself to feel. I think that's one place that I am still working through myself is allowing myself to be in those moments. I think that's probably a really, um, it is a really advanced healing um, tool to learn that mindfulness and allowing yourself to feel and to be present in that moment, to be able to feel those things and not just power through. Because like you said, as women, that's just our natural inclination to just power through and get done what you need to get done. And, and that's something that I'm working on as still, you know, I'm not perfect at it and, and nobody is perfect at it, but if you can do it once, you know, if you even recognize that you've done it once, that you've been able to be present in the moment and feel whatever emotion that you're feeling, I think you're on a great path and just keep going. So number five, we have keep your regular routine. I love this one. And this one is also a really hard one. What, what are your tips for this one, Alana? Well, it's, Going back to that list that we made at the beginning of all the extra things that we add to our plate. So before we add that massive list, I want you to think about your life typically. And I'll ask, is your life right now busy? Most people would probably say, yeah, my life is fairly full or fairly busy. Now we're going to take a fairly full or fairly busy life. And then we're going to take this massive list of all of these things that we want to do or feel like we should do, and we're going to throw it on top. What's going to happen? Things are going to start falling off our plate. And typically the first thing that falls off our plate are our self-care, like those essential things that we need to be able to feel good emotionally, spiritually, physically. And so keeping your regular routine really just comes down to self-care. It's doing those same things that you're doing right now is you're trying to heal from trauma. One of the most foundational things, anytime that we're working with clients, the very, very first thing we do to set that foundation of healing is that self-care. 
So every day, even if it's only for a few minutes, getting that spiritual, physical, emotional health care, or excuse me, self-care. So when we don't keep that regular routine, when those things fall off our plate, all of a sudden we're finding ourselves sleep deprived. We're not eating healthy food any longer. We're not getting that spirituality that we want to get, even though we're trying so hard to run and do all these busy things to follow Christ. And so that, I guess my biggest thing that I plead with you is choose those really elementary basic things that you're doing for your self-care that have brought you peace and that are helping you stay somewhat anchored and make sure that those don't fall off your plate. And if those are going to fall off the plate because of the things you're adding, then we really need to reevaluate those things that we're adding. For sure. I love that. I, I think of all of the times that I have family come, my house happens to be the biggest house for, for um, our family to gather in these, in these holidays and, and things like that, which I love. I, you know, I, I, I really do enjoy it, but it does bring that extra level of stress. And I also noticed that I have a sister and I love her so much. She is a night owl and I, and I used to be a night owl. And that is the first thing that I, I tend to skimp on when she's here because we put the kids to bed and then we stay up for hours talking until I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to be sad in the morning, (laughs) you know, just realizing like, okay, I I understand that this is going to be too much. And so I think, um, being able to, that's, that's one of my challenges and that's what I'm going to work on this, this holiday season is, is allowing myself to say, you know what, I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock because otherwise with, you know, 10 kids running around this house, I'm not going to be able to, (laughs) I'm not going to be as patient as I normally would be. Um, because yeah, that, that routine and those things that we do to keep our sanity day in and day out, we still need those things to keep our sanity day in and day out. And, and I, those boundaries are really important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I feel after, after everybody leaves when there's, you know, less people in my house, I'm like, oh, who, you know, you feel that, but I can still feel that if I, you know, keep those boundaries, keep my kids going to bed on their regular routine as well, so that we have less, less um, kid drama on top of everything else. So, so yeah, I, I love that tip, keeping the regular routine. And even when it comes to food, you know, holidays are one of those times where we tend to just let go and just eat whatever we want. And I know for myself, it's easier for me to let go of my healthy habits and to just eat pie for breakfast and, you know, (laughs) and eat whatever. And I'm not saying that you can't do that, but for me, that's something that I want to be mindful about this season. Um, Just being able to, so that I feel like once I get done, I don't feel shame and guilt about the way that I've eaten or how I've let all of my habits slide during the season. So thank you. I love that routine. Hey, courageous mamas. I want to tell you about warrior mothers who know. Do you have a loved one caught in the trap of pornography, negative mental health issues, or other difficult challenges our families are facing? We know that life doesn't always go as planned, which can sometimes leave us feeling discouraged and at times hopeless. Come, link arms with like-minded women and arm yourself with powerful ways to support yourself and your loved ones. This Christ-centered online group provides moms with a safe place to ask questions that might be more sensitive, as well as benefit from the shared experiences of others. The directors of our Sons of Healing program and Daughters of Light program join the group monthly to share nuggets of wisdom and answer your questions. Warrior Mothers Who Know are understanding that peace is an increased skill 
not change in circumstance. Please visit us at mothersyouknow.org for more information. So this one, this next tip, I absolutely love, and it is practice gratitude. So I want, I go ahead and, and share your thoughts on, on this one. And I, and I have some additional thoughts to share as well. So, yeah, well, this one, I feel like if you're listening, you're probably going to go like, okay, I expected this and kind of tune out right now. But one of the quickest ways that we can recenter our brain and focus on moving forward comes through finding gratitude in today. And when you're going through trauma, sometimes it's hard to find that extra level of gratitude. I remember there were times where I was feeling so much pain and I sat down and the prompting came that I needed to just start writing down every single day things that I was grateful for. And the list started with, um, well, my brain went, well, it wasn't my husband, wasn't feeling grateful for him. So I'm like, okay, well, I can be grateful for heat. Oh my goodness. It's the middle of winter. I am grateful for heat. I am grateful for running water. I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful for my kids. And so my lists were pretty pathetic in the beginning, but as I kept going, it shifted my focus. It shifted the lens through which I was seeing the world. Because I was seeing the world through this very dark, gray, hurt lens. And as I shifted towards gratitude, I was seeing the world through this lens of gratitude. And it didn't take away the pain. It didn't take away um, what I was going through. But it did help me find myself not becoming so bitter in the midst of pain. And that's what I was so scared of becoming is I didn't want to become bitter. And I heard a quote once and I wish I could remember who said it, but they said that one of the greatest challenges of this life is learning how to drink from the bitter cup without becoming bitter. And I really, really wanted to be able to do that. And gratitude was really key for me. And the holidays, they're a chance anyway to focus on the things that we do have friends, family, a roof over our heads, food on the table, rather than the things that we don't. But sometimes in the midst of the trauma, it's, it's hard. It's hard to find things that we're thankful for and that the pain that we're experiencing puts clouds and darkness over the blessings that we still enjoy. So by shifting our, our thinking and our hearts towards gratitude, we kind of can shift our entire perspective to one of more mindfulness and peace and love, which is really what a lot of us are seeking during this time of year. Yeah. Practicing gratitude does have a way of lifting you. At least that's the way I feel when I start, when I'm in that dark place and then start practicing gratitude. It, it does tend to lift me out of that that space because there is so much that we have to be grateful for you know we are experiencing trauma we are experiencing a really hard emotions but there is plenty plenty to be grateful for yeah absolutely I agree I <clears throat> there there are so many there are so many things about gratefulness and when I I think in the, in the beginning, it, like you said, Alana, it's so hard to be grateful for where we are and, and it takes time to get to, to, to a place where we can see gratitude in this, in this trial. And I'm, I'm grateful that I'm, I am to a point where I can see the blessings that I receive as a result of this trial. And I, um, Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf, has a talk and where I think it's called gratitude in every circumstance. It's such a beautiful talk. And one of the quotes in there that I love so much, um, he talks about, um, he says, could I suggest that we see gratitude as a disposition, a way of life that stands independent of our current situation. In other words, I'm suggesting that instead of being thankful for things, 
we focus on being thankful in our circumstances, whatever they may be. And he says, this is not a gratitude of the lips, but of the soul. It's a gratitude that heals the heart and expands the mind. And I think that is so, um, like it's healing. It's this having, see the things, see the things in our lives, not just things, but to see our circumstance in a light that, that we can have gratitude for allows us to continue to move forward and continue to move through the pain. Um, and there's this other one he, he quotes in there as well, you know, when he talks about Joseph Smith while he was a prisoner in Liberty jail and it was miserable circumstances, right? It was cold and they were sick. And in that particular circumstance, he says, dearly beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power. And then may we stand still that remember that standing still being still that we talked about earlier with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. And I think as we move through these trials that we don't have to, it doesn't, I don't think that that means putting on a fake smile and pretending that everything is okay. But I think that's trusting and having faith in our savior and knowing that he is there for us and that he will, his arm will be revealed. It may not be now. It may not be tomorrow, but, but those, those blessings of healing do come over time and trusting in that, I think can carry us a long way in that gratitude. And, and that really comes down to gratitude for our savior and for what he has done for us. So those are my thoughts on, on that particular, did you have any additional thoughts on gratitude, Alana? No, I think you just sum that up beautifully. <laughs> Thanks. So then we'll move on to tip number seven and number seven is make sure you're getting community care. So what does that mean? Community care. So seven and eight um, talk about our self-care and our community care. And community care is where we are coming out of isolation. So often when we go through trauma, we naturally tend to go into this isolation. Um, I heard a quote one time and they said, when a partner comes out of the closet with their sexual addiction, they throw their partner in the closet. And so we go into this place of isolation. That is so true. Oh my goodness. Yes. And, and in that closet, sometimes we don't know how to get out and so, right. or sometimes we're scared to come out or we have fears around, well, what happens if we do? And so community care really is this idea that we we're all wired for connection and that's just as human beings living on this planet, we all need this connection. But when we isolate and we don't connect with others, we're left feeling hollow and alone. What I'm not suggesting is I'm not suggesting you run out on Facebook and post your story. I'm not suggesting you just start sharing with everybody. But community care is finding those safe people that can hear your story, can hold your pain who don't try to give you advice or tell you how to feel, finding those safe people that you can allow to um, help carry this load. So like worth groups or the church has family support groups, these types of groups where you're with other people who can say the me too, the others who really can get it, finding those safe people and coming out of that isolation. I think that the savior works so many times his hands through other people yet I won't speak for other people, but sometimes I think I made it really difficult for others. When I was in so much pain, I pushed a lot of people away, but it was when I allowed myself to start coming out of that isolation that the savior was just waiting and had people lined up who were, willing to walk with me on this journey, but it required me being willing to give myself that community care. That's what I have so appreciated about the worth program is that it really offers this connection with, 
women who are experiencing the same thing. And it really has opened up a, a path of healing for me. So I've just been so grateful that I have this support network to, to rely on. Yeah, I agree. And we, we talked a lot about that in our first episode as well, just how, just how um, foundational that support piece is and coming out of isolation and, and really finding that, that community, you know, that, that tribe, so to say, you know, and I think for me as well, Janine, that, you know, this, this particular program through worth offers that in, in a very unique capacity and, and being able to, you know, there are times when, especially through the holidays, sometimes we don't have a meeting, but having, you know, having the ability to set up Marco Polo groups and, and be able to reach out to sisters. I mean, I've made some of the best friends through, through this worth program. And it's incredible because we don't live near each other. We don't see each other every day, but we have that connection and that connection really bonds us together um, despite time and despite space and despite age, you know, it, it really brings another element of, of support to, to our, our lives. And, um, and even outside of, of worth, I mean, we, we can still have friends that, you know, it, it's maybe not exactly the same, but even if you can't, if you, even if you don't have a safe person that you can tell everything to, you know, having, having a friend or a group of friends, like I have, I have a group of friends that I've known, you know, from middle school, you know, on that, you know, the three, the four of us get together, you know, once a week and we don't talk about, we don't talk about betrayal trauma. We, you know, but, but being able to get together with women, I think just women who love you, and even if they don't know that part of you, if, if that's all you have, then even that can make a huge difference. To just have connection with, with women and feel the power of, of being around other strong women. And I think that is, is a big is a big thing to be able to do in these circumstances, because like you said, isolation is so prevalent when we, when we come to this particular point in, in time when we're in this betrayal trauma, isolating is so much easier than reaching out. And if we can reach out and if we can find those friends that, that we even just can spend time with then, and, and find that connection. It's that connection piece. I think that's so important and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Connection is so important to the healing process. And I'm, I'm listening to all your tips, Alana. And this is like, these, these really aren't just for the holidays. This is how you really recover from betrayal trauma. This is, these are tips that we just need to implement every single day in our lives, not just the holidays. So it's just really wise, wise counsel. Um, so I don't know if there's anything you would like to add but to number eight, but you, you say make time for yourself. You had mentioned, you know, keep your regular routine earlier. You know, is there anything that you would like to add about this, this point so, making time yeah. for yourself? Well, self-care is one of these things that it's becoming more and more common just in regular culture of people talking about this need for self-care, but when it comes to trauma, like we talked about before, it's so essential. But the thing that makes self-care so difficult for many of us is this idea or this thought in our head that self-care is selfish. And so that is one thing I've been on this journey for five and a half years. And I still regularly will say, Alana, self-care is not selfish. Self-care is not selfish. And I have to chant this to myself because any time that I'm doing something where there's no benefit to anyone else other than myself, I still struggle with, with not thinking that's selfish. So 
if you're listening right now, let me just put out there, self-care is not selfish. Self-care is filling our own cup so that we will have the ability to do the things in life that we want to do. And often that is that we have the desire to show up and be part of our family. We have the desire for, um, for careers. If our career is something that we want to invest a lot of energy into, or if our calling at church or all of the other many, many demands that are asked of us to do these things, we have to fill our own cup before we start giving to others. And so it comes down to that self-care. And so I think if I just leave you with one tiny thought, it's just that self-care is not selfish. It's essential to your own emotional well-being. For sure. In fact, we talked about this in one of the previous episodes. And um, it's we, we use the, the um, analogy of putting your own oxygen mask on before assisting somebody else that really we need this oxygen first to stay alive so we can help somebody else. So that was just one of the many analogies that we used when we talked about self-care and the importance of it. So, but particularly important during this, this time of year, don't forget it, you know, don't let it go by the wayside, which brings me to point number nine, which is um, learn to say no. I love this one. I love this one. <laughs> it's no is a complete sentence and there's no explanation that needs to be, be had, right? How do you, how do you, yes. uh, how do you yes. do this with family <laughs> okay. and all those that, that want demands <laughs> on your time? Yes. So no is absolutely a complete sentence, but I will put out there like, how hard is that? It, it's, and maybe this goes back to that self-care selfish thought that I fight with, but sometimes it can be really difficult to say no. And so I put the tip of learn to say no to encourage you to be patient with yourself in the process of learning to say no, but no is a complete sentence in and of itself. But how many times do we feel like we can't say no unless we have like that perfect excuse or or the reason justifies enough of why we really can't do it. Or without feeling just, guilty, you know? Yes. Like, like I can say yeah. no, but then I have the guilt after. Right? Yes. Not helpful. <laughs> yes. So this, this is a process. So please be patient with yourself as you learn that it's okay to say no. But um, it's, it's definitely part of the journey. And really learning to say no is boundaries, Right. So one boundary that I made with myself was I decided that I was not going to say yes or no to anything without taking time to think about it first. Because I was one that someone would say, hey, Alana, could you help um, prepare a lesson for this upcoming thing? And I'd go, oh, yeah, sure, I can do that. And then I'd go later and go, oh, my goodness, what, what am I thinking? How am I going to do this? But, oh, my because goodness. you haven't really had time to really process through the commitment and the amount of energy that is required for you at this particular time, you know, for something like that. So I love that boundary that you, you put on yourself is just to, to wait, pause and, and come back to it without well and right away. Exactly. And if, mm-hmm. if I do choose at that point to do it after thinking about it, then I'm a lot more likely to be okay with all of the things that are required of me Yes. versus when I say it on the spot and then all of a sudden I'm having to do all of these things and I'm stressed out because I didn't think it through. Now I'm finding myself resentful. Yes. And that resentful builds up and is not very helpful. (laughs) No. And one of the things, yeah. And one of the things that I feel like, um, goes along with that is when you do take that time to think about it, you allow a measure of the spirit to be able to enter in and, and help you to, you know, understand your capacity. And, and if it's something that you feel like you can do, and even though you have all of these additional things that you have to do, that, that enabling power of the atonement really kicks in to help you to do more than you imagine that you could do. You know, it's that uh, enabling power that allows you to do more than you could do on your own. 
And so when we do feel like, you know, no, I don't want to do this, but the spirit's saying, yes, do this. You know, that's, you know, that's one of those things where we're like, okay, here's where I'm going to go with this. I'm going to depend on you, Lord, to be able to fill in those places where, you know, maybe I can't get to, or to, or to multiply my efforts and make them enough. So I love that. And, and I love the also, and this was another thought that I had that Adam Moore says, you know, it's, you don't necessarily, if no is too hard to say, you can say something like, that's not going to work for me. Sorry. You know, and that's all the explanation you need. You don't need more than that. You know, sorry, that's just not going to work for me. So I think pre-planning ways to say no to certain things you absolutely know you don't want to do this year. Pre-plan that out. You know, this Christmas party that you feel like you have to go to, you you can say, no, that's not going to work for me. Sorry. You know? Yeah. And, and that's okay. You can pre-plan those boundaries and have those, have those things set in place and a simple, that's not going to work for me this year. Sorry, is plenty. And that is enough. So, um, so the, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Janine. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners around this complete sentence of no? (laughs) I love the idea, Naomi, that you had of, having those phrases. And in our class, there was one woman who said, when someone asks her to do something and she knows that she, it would not be good for her emotional or spiritual well-being, then she nods her head with the person. And the person usually starts nodding their head with her. And as they're nodding their heads, she goes, I would really love to do that. And then she starts shaking her <laughs> head from side to side. And she goes, but I don't think that now's the time. So I won't be able to do that. I love that. And that physical, getting them to nod their head with them and then shake their head with her <laughs> just kind of walks them through the process and solidifies that she would love to, but it's not going to happen. And I thought that that was so insightful. So that was my takeaway of I'm going to, to try using that once I've taken the time to process whether I can do it, but I thought that was just really clever. Genius. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Okay. That brings us to our final tip. Number 10 is ask for help and delegate. This can be difficult. Again, it comes back to women. We as women are very good at trying to do it all. What, what, What would you say? What is your what is your advice on being able to ask for help and delegate this holiday season? Yeah. What's the secret sauce? To this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I had a magic pill and a secret <laughs> sauce, I would give it to you. But um, it's funny because I used to think that being strong was doing everything. Like I saw that as strength and that powering through, I saw that as strength, but I've learned that one of the hardest things to do is actually to slow down and to admit that you need help and to let other people help you and to honor your feelings. That that right there, that is true strength. And so if, if I could leave with any message today, it's that you don't have to do it all. In fact, you don't really even have to do any of it. The world would not fall apart if you didn't do any holiday extras this year. Right. Like if you literally skipped Christmas, the world would not fall apart. Now I'm guessing you probably don't want to, and there are things that you want to do, but just realizing that it is okay. And that you, where you are today, who you are at your core, you are enough. And I'll repeat that. You are enough. And as you redefine your expectations and as you focus on this holiday season, I hope you can just remember that you are enough. I love that. That's beautiful. I think, um, like you said, we, I have fallen into that same, that same mentality where um, powering through and doing it all is strength and um, almost, almost proving like as, as a single mom at this point in in time right now where, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of my kids and my house and, you know, everything is, is on my plate and kind of proving that I'm capable of handling it all almost is, has been something that makes it really hard for me to ask for help unless it's an absolute dire situation. Like 
I am dying. I absolutely need some help. Now there, <laughs> it almost there are like, certain... it, it almost seems like it's a badge of honor sometimes with women, you know, and it's, yeah. it's kind of like, is that really helpful to us? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't serve me. And, and I, I am grateful that I live near my sisters right now because I know that I can ask them for help. And I think that's important to be able to find somebody that, you know, you can ask for help. And, and another blessing is that I'm, I'm in a ward that I grew up in. And so it makes it easier because I haven't had to get to know people. You know, I've been away for 15 years, but I, I haven't had to get to know people. I've been, there are people that I know that I can ask for help. And I think cultivating those kind of relationships can be difficult where you have those people where you know you can ask them for help but finding those people that you know you can ask for help is is essential on top of um we we hear this term self-reliance you know a lot in in our religion and sometimes i i think that we misunderstand self-reliance and we forget that it is a it is important to have appropriate self-reliance, but we also have to be willing to let others help. And, and we also have to have a healthy reliance and dependence upon God and be able to surrender those things that are out of our control and those, and surrender our pride in being able to do it all (laughs) and be able to ask for help. And, and I think that we will find a lot more happiness when we can, give that to God and, and just ask for help. And I've, I'm learning that slowly. It's taking, it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of effort, but um, it, it is a blessing to both, to both me and the people who are able to help me and to serve me um, even outside of my family. So thank you, Alana, so much for sharing these tips. Um, Do you have anything in closing that you want to, to say to our listeners today? Um, thank you for having me. And um, I will just leave with the scripture that I talked about at the beginning, um, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I pray for you that you can be still this holiday season, that you can find that peace. And please remember that who you are, where you are, you are enough. Thank you. That's beautiful. I want to thank, thank you again for listening and Alana for being here. And I want to end this podcast with a little challenge for you to take on each of you listeners. As you were listening, I'm sure you um, thought of some things that maybe you realized you don't want to do this year, or maybe you wrote them down or mentally noted them. But I want you to decide how you're going to address those things and and find some things that bring you that bring more stress than peace. And I want to challenge you to be able to find a way to say no to those. Um, And and it's going to look different for everybody. So that that may be something small. It may be something big um, and it is a challenge. So. If you can do that, I, I think that you'll find a lot more peace through this holiday season. And I wanted to close this um, entire podcast out with this scripture that I thought of, um, because I think that this is, this is another scripture that's absolutely beautiful. And it's um, in our Doctrine and Covenants 88, or 84, verse 88, and it says, And whoso receiveth you, there will I be also for I will go before your face and I will be on your right hand and on your left hand and my spirit shall be in your hearts and my angels round about you to bear you up. And I know that angels definitely help bear us up through these, through these hard times along with our savior. And remember that he is going before you and he is on your right and your left. And there are angels surrounding you and, helping to lift you and to try and help carry you out of this darkness that that you find yourself in. And I hope that you find peace this holiday season 
we love you and we look forward to talking with you again. Thanks for joining us this week on Healing with Worth. Make sure to visit our website, healingwithworth.org, if you would like to enroll in an online therapist-led support group. We'll see you next time.